I was rocking out this morning. You were rocking out this morning? Yeah, it's like, I was having like a good day. I was just coming, I was just having a good, it's funny because the weather is gloom and doom. It's horrible. It's but all it's fog. been this way forever. Yeah, it's true. So I felt like in the movies when there's just the one character. The main character? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm obviously the main character. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? No, why did you, you, you start with the, the one character? Well, no, just the, well, there's always the character that even when the city is depressed and gloomy. and They're doom, still in a good mood. Yeah, and, they, and they're trying to mm. find a way to be positive, and they're making, you know, lemons out of lemonade. You sound or, like Pete. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're making lemonade out of lemons. They don't make lemons out of lemonade. No, they don't. Yeah. It'd be crazy if they could. I was just feeling, like, fired up. Mm-hmm. I was, like, uh, in the opening of Beauty and the Beast, when Belle is, like, running around town. Oh, yeah. She's like, good morning. She's saying. She's doing that. the whole song. Yeah, exactly. Like What's up, her? everybody? That was me today. <laughs> just nobody was giving any of the that Belle energy back. You know? I'm in a good mood. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you mood. were working yesterday. You were I working, was. man. Working Joe. That's why you're off the show. Working Joe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was at the TNT yesterday for the for the Leafs game. What exactly did you do? So I'm a, I'm a runner. So I'm like, I, I pretty much I'm an assistant for like the whole crew. Don't 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 uh, try to overclass it. I'm assistant for the whole like they're like Joe. No, no really but like 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 I do all coffee. The, well, it's more than just coffee. Oh yeah, coffee. Coffee can be a part of it, but it's like for sure, coffee's yeah, a part of it. But it's like it's a pretty integral part of it. I would say that if they were like, "What's the real broken part of the chain that Joe isn't here on?" It's, <laughs> it's all the, the important people that didn't get coffee. But it's also like like delivering like the documents, the papers, like, like right. the, some of the media guides to people that. Yeah, your goal. We used to yeah. call this a gopher. Gopher, yeah. Go for a runner. It's the same thing. It's just like you assist yeah. pretty much everybody. All right, uh, running around all day, long day, but. I mean, it's a pretty cool job. How many I mean, steps? Look at your phone. Okay, I'm looking at my phone right now. How many steps? Because you were complaining. You were being a little complainer this morning. No, I just said my body was a little sore because I was kind of tired. Yeah, I don't accept this. For, like, I gotta, if this, I'm going to tell you right now, your steps have to be over 20,000 for me to even remotely accept the 22-year-old kid telling me that he's a little sore from walking. Okay. Well, don't lie like you love kid. to lie. I was at just over 15,000. Oh, that's all right. That's a, you're fringing it. Yeah, I was close. Yeah, you fringed it. Mm-hmm. You fringed, fringed it. You're I not getting it. roasted. If you were like 8,000. Okay, if it was 8,000, then get out of here. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it's just over 15. So what happened? You almost got stuck on the Predators bench? <laughs> yeah, I almost got stuck on the Predators bench. So right before, right before puck drop, uh, Keith Jones, who is in between the two benches, he had asked yeah. for the, the starting lineup document, which gets printed either during or right after warm because the, the coaches will call up and submit their final lineups and then it printed out, gets distributed. So me and Mike, the other runner that I was with, we went and got it and Jones had asked for it. So we, but he was between the benches. Mm-hmm. So he didn't automatically get a copy. So we ran down. This is like a minute before the players come out. Like, you know, everyone's, you know, anticipation's high. And so we, we go down and the Predators come up like that little tunnel. Anticipation's high. Anticipation's between you high. and the other runner. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, not that. Yeah, like well, the, well, who else is there? The fans are waiting for the players the to fans, come out. Oh, they're, they're pushing you like aside, trying to get the spots. Like everything's ready. So, okay. but like we had the, we had the media passes so we mm-hmm. could like push past them. And like we ran up the tunnel that the Predators would go up onto their bench and then onto the ice. Mm-hmm. And people are like, who are these guys? And we're just two random idiots walking up. And we walked onto the Predators bench and like, I was like, we're not supposed to be here. But we saw Jones and he like looked at us and like motioned for us to give him the document. So we ran down the Predators bench, gave him the thing. And then we were like, hey, we got to get out of here because if the players come, we're stuck. We are, we're very nearly, because like they would come up and there's no yeah. space for us to get out of there. 
It's either God, that or I wish I would have seen so badly you on a blooper reel oh, that'd be getting so... truck sticked by Roman Yossi. Or Yossi Saros coming out and just yeah. bulldozing me. Because, like, in that little tunnel, there's or no space. even better would have been if you did the Larry David and Curb where he tripped Shaq. <laughs> you know, like, you hurt one of the Predator Slayers <laughs> by accident because you're in the wrong spot. That's kind of... I hurt Forsberg by accident. That's you know horrible. what, though? This would make kind of an interesting... I don't know if book, I don't think you could fill a book, but maybe an article on, not you, I mean, just this in general, this idea, because all the runners that have to do these jobs, more likely than not, a lot of them are like you, where they're not super familiar with the stadium or the protocols. Like it's like Keith Jones between the benches knows what he's doing every single time at every single rink. He's done a million of them. Yeah. The Gophers... Are all doing their first day on the job a lot of the time over and over and over again. Yeah, that wasn't my first day on the job, but I've never had to yeah, go yeah. between the benches. Right. That's first what, time I've ever had to do sure, that. Sure, I know it wasn't your first time ever doing this. Yeah. That's how you ended up getting it. My mm-hmm. my only point is is that you're most susceptible to making mistakes early on in a job. Yeah. And especially when you're not familiar with like the layout and how people work. And this would be a great horror story compilation. Yeah, it would. Because especially since you have zero juice, right? You have the least amount of juice in the entire building. 100%. A fan has infinity, like infinity more juice than you. Like a fan, Uh, yes, of course. No, dude, a fan makes a mistake. They're just a fan. Yeah. Like you make a mistake and yeah, it's a real problem. Yeah, you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be helping, (laughs) not hurting. Oof. I w- yeah, I was helping though. I was helping, just almost meet, hurt. Meet your when you grow your little gopher network. You know, hold a hole. <laughs> not like that. Hold a hole. Yeah, not like that. Gopher network. Yeah, not like that, Joe. You dirty boy. Uh, That's not what I was Derek thinking. Peter, of. you shot yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> you, what? <laughs> what was that? All from the other guys. I was picturing uh, when eating. Bad movie reference. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I've never seen that one. I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that one. Do you know? Okay, I this uh, this is now we're into the random zone. I got to get off this because we're bringing on Colby and it's not going to get any better. Um, for the first time ever, I saw the the interview with Seth uh, Rogen and James Franco. That's an underrated funny movie, man. It's pretty funny. I laughed like a bunch of times watching that and it just completely went Good, like, I don't know if it was because Franco got hit with some of the Me Too stuff. I don't know how that really shook out. And if that was, like, around the same time, if that's why it got buried. But I watched that. Like, I, I didn't even finish it yesterday. I, I got to admit, I didn't finish it. I watched 75% wow. of the movie. Well, I was busy. I was doing stuff. And I, sure. I, I kind of watched it. But I laughed a lot. And mm-hmm. I went, this is a really good, this is a funny movie. Like, I don't know. I think it's in my yeah. it's in my wheelhouse of funny. But it was good. Like, well, I laughed, like, seven, eight times. It's pretty big, like, in my age group. Like, it I is? remember everyone was talking about it when I was Went way kid. past me. Boff, yeah. you put the headset on. like. Well, you know what it was? Like, there was controversy, and it was supposed to be released in theaters, and then they didn't release it in theaters, and it became one of, like, the first... It was ahead of its time in that it became one of the first, like, you can buy this on streaming and just watch it in your home, and that's how people kind of watched it at first. Huh. Well, for a while, it was, like, pretty, like... Illegally streamed too, like you couldn't find like it the, anywhere. Like the first time I watched it was with a few friends. I was like, "Oh yeah, we were gonna see this in theaters, and now it's just available at home." So I, I loved it. I bought like I bought it for like four ninety nine to like rent it yeah. as a new movie, and that's that's how I, it came that's out. Pretty cool. I feel like an, uh, the, the renting thing. I always feel so dumb. I just <laughs> because you never want to buy the movie, right? Yeah. For whatever reason, there's just some blockage that goes like, "I'm never gonna want to watch this movie again." Yeah. I've rented Tommy Boy. 
like three times. <laughs> just buy it. Just yeah, buy I know. It, and I can't, but now it's sick because I can't buy it now because I've already rented it so many times over that it, it's like, now you're even more of an idiot if you yeah. buy it. I don't know. There's that's a because now you've spent double the what money. What do you do? Do any of you guys buy them? When, I, do, I only rent. I yeah, only exactly. Rent. Does anybody buy like buying a TV show? You cannot do. That's insane. No, no, oh, oh, that's no. nuts. That's that's criminal behavior. Criminal. Yeah, Moon that jail. is. There's Moon too jail. much. There's too much out there. You can't renting a movie, paying the price. If you really need that movie. I, I think it's fine yeah. on the streaming service. Well, it's pretty rare, too, because most movies are on streaming services, and you pretty much already have them. Well, the one where they really try to get you is the the movie that's kind of on the cusp of, hey, this is going to be on a streaming service for free uh, soon. You know, like they did this with Bullet Train, where they, like, rent it. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, you're not getting me. This will be available in a week. <laughs> I could hold out for a week. You know, like, I... I I can hold out a week for bullet train, even though we did have like a very intense conversation over text in the group chat two nights ago about <laughs> Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty, the, the IMDB page, this goes without saying is incredible, but yeah, it's really hard to rank out the top five. Anyway, um, the game that you got to watch last night up close and personal, mm-hmm. I did least talk with Bourne last night. Uh, I, I don't really have too much to say about like the game itself. I already made my point yesterday about how the Leafs need to get, I think, a little bit deeper down the middle. Mm-hmm. Although Nylander was okay, um, he had some really he had some really good play early, and then I thought he kind of faded throughout the game. Power play was good, like ho hum, nothing really to it. Yep. Uh, I think it really does say something about the state of the NHL right now that Austin Matthews can be removed from a lineup, a guy who was the league's best player last season. And Toronto can look just as good as a playoff team out West. And this is the other thing. Some, some Leaf fans, I think, thought Toronto got pushed around a little bit last night. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of moments where Nashville looked bigger and they looked like the stronger team. But to me, that actually was a decent test of... It, it continues to be, yeah, over a seven-game series, we'll have to see, but... I thought Toronto looked fine. They acquitted themselves fine. Yeah. Again, better team without Matthews, a guy who should be a Selkie award winner this year. I, I don't know if Nylander's a solution up the middle, though. Like, mm-hmm. if that ends up having to happen, you just see how all the dominoes fall, how things have to change when he has to assume that position. Yeah. 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 Doesn't it, work for me. It was a good It was a good grind out win. Uh, sure. Yuji Saro stood in his head for a couple saves, and Matt like Murray him. in the first period... The one save where he flipped on his back? Yeah, that save was overrated. I mean, it was overrated? Yeah. I thought it was time. pretty... Okay, but seeing it, like, in front of me was pretty cool. No, it was... Yeah, sure. I, <laughs> like, I got I got roasted on Leafs Talk last night. I saw it in the chat. It was yeah. fine. But that shot was horrible. It, he, it was a pretty bad he shot. He flubbed that shot. For whatever reason, I can't even remember who it was, but he just tries to, like, redirect it on net, get it in right away. Yeah. It's like, dude, just cradle it and shoot it in the net. <laughs> you would have had a million years, and yeah. he's... Like, even after the game, they asked Murray about it, and I went, you guys really asked it? So none of you guys in the media room saw the actual replay of, the, the, of the save? Yeah. And, yeah. So, how, how about Gio in the third period throwing his body in front of shots? I'm a little worried about the Gio thing. So, so am I. He, he's on pace to have, like, the most block shots he's had in a season in, like, five years now. Yeah, I love him. Oh, he's, he's awesome. Unequivocally my favorite Leaf. Yeah. 
Plus, I just love it when there's guys older than me that are still in the <laughs> NHL. I'm, I'm sure that's, that's how every guy for me. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> shut up. All right, that's the end of your mic. I'm sure that's how Colby Armstrong feels like. You know, he's down at Fenway and he's seeing his old teammates play. He's getting the vibes, getting the feel. It still feels good, right? Like, there's probably still a part of you that's like, you know, if I really just dedicated myself, I could get back out there with the fellas because they're still here, right? Like a, <laughs> like a little small PC. Or are, we, are, we do, are we doing this again? Well, <laughs> I, it's, not, it's not a comeback. Listen, you're not doing the comeback. Pyeongchang yeah, yeah. was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Uh, yeah, we cool. Remember when we had that? Oh, that was, that was so close. That was so close. Yeah, you were right on the cusp. You, you get a call from Canada Hockey. They were like, Colby, come on, buddy. Hit the treadmill. Get on the bike. We need you. They're like, chain, <laughs> no, no, no. They're like, hey, bud, think about it. By the way, what jersey size are you? I'm like, <laughs> you don't make that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you got to stitch uh, a couple together. Let's get it going. <laughs> Let's make a Frankenstein jersey. <laughs> Remember that parachute in the little, like, in elementary school? Dude, do they that's still do those? Jer- that's what my jersey looks like when I'm skating behind my back, flapping like Mike Modano. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> those, the, the parachute thing was so fun in elementary school. Like, I remember just being yeah. jacked for that. You know, fire the parachute yeah, up. And then you got to, like, sit down, tuck underneath it. And then you're underneath there with all your classmates and go, this yeah. is... The whole world outside, nothing matters. All that matters is what's inside the tent that we have created together as a yep. community. An air, an air bubble butt tent with yeah. like a little hole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that thing was sick. One, two, three. Yeah, woof, woof it way up and then get under it. And then also cool, stand around and put like a couple balls on top and just schlank your yep. arms up and down, flopping the balls around. Yep. Does that still go on in the world? I hope so, man. I told you. I think that's that the, that's how the Leafs warm up. I, <laughs> that's what they do it warm up. I, I, you know how amazing that would be. That would be way better you than know Storm how excited Surge. Mitch Marner would be to do the little <laughs> tent sit down thing. Yeah, because he was. Yeah, he never really fully got to be a child. He was always professional. He seems like player. a guy that. Yeah, he seems like a guy that would really love to do stuff like that. Honestly, like yeah. if they warmed up and did the tent thing with the parachute, he that. He get a hat trick every game. Man, He's so excited! It, it's funny. I like I have like Joe uh, who works on the show now. The guy is across from me, and he he works. He worked yesterday at TNT as a runner, but like he's twenty two years old, right? And he's like a, he's a baby. Yeah. Like he's a baby. He just turned twenty two, and it actually is a good thing for me. Just remembering that a lot of these guys get into professional sports who are younger than him. And and we're like yelling at it and watching it. And <laughs> even I was thinking about Shane Wright. Like how much conversation happened around Shane Wright at the juniors and what, like, yeah, Connor Bedard's side, but like some of it was critical with Shane Wright, right? Where it's a lot of, yeah. he's a, he looks like a bust and I can't believe people thought he was going to be the number one pick. And then some days I sit across from Joe and I go, Shane Wright's three years younger than him. This isn't right. <laughs> we shouldn't be allowed to do what we do until these guys turn like 24, you know, like there should be like a law and we're violating. Like I feel like a violator now, a lot of the time. Uh, you watched the juniors with your boy, though. Um, oh, I did. And he's American. And now you're American, too. You got your citizenship. Um, We're both. We're dual. We're I, dual. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you come on it's here. Good to, like, have options, hey, dual, you know, it's good to have options. Yeah, have options. Yeah, yeah. Do you hide it from the Pittsburgh people? Tell the truth. Do you ever go? No, no, no. I think they... You're proud? 
Yeah, I think they think I'm just Canadian, you know. Okay. Like they just assume that I'm just a Canadian. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for you to hide uh, it when you're like, hide. "Hey, buddy." <laughs> They're like, "You're not from here." <laughs> yeah, this guy, this guy didn't grow up on the mean streets of Pittsburgh. He doesn't have the. People are like, hear me. Yeah, they hear my voice. They're like, "Are you from Ireland?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so good, man. That's so great. I love that. I've gotten that before. Oh, man. That's like I have a buddy from Nova Scotia who doesn't have a Nova Scotian accent. It's just different, and people have no idea where he's from. And, 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 and like, when you hang out with somebody a long time and you've known them for a long time, the way they sound... It just, it loses effect on you, right? People say stuff and you go, oh, right. This guy sounds a little bit different to you guys. You're meeting him. And I forget that with you, uh, that you down there definitely sound like a different guy. Um, Okay, so you're watching watching the junior game with your son. Do you try to nudge him towards cheering for Canada? Like, how how does this work with the whole dual thing? Because that that game was intense with the Americans. No, that's what I'm asking you. Do you? Okay, so yeah, like my wife posted a video and he's like he's like wearing my old team canada gear that my wife will let me like give away or like move it along or whatever because don't give that when away. I played, she's like, right mel's right don't do that well when i played like world yeah well, like world championships so i'm like uh, i don't know like what am i doing with this you know and you you hit that moment every like <laughs> i don't know how many years <laughs> every 5 10 years when you're like oh i better get rid of some of these hoodies and like shirts and she she has convinced me to hang on to some of this stuff. So I'm like now he's 12, he's getting taller. So like he's starting to fit in. Like it's a little, it's big on him, but he's he's starting sure. to kind of wear it maybe for like a game or something. So he's decked out full Canada gear, and just going crazy, just like thinks Bedard's the man, and well, who does it right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was cheering. He was cheering for Canada. It was kind of funny to see. So he's born in Georgia, but he's big big Canada fan. And, uh, yeah, we enjoyed watching that. I, I think it was cool to, for him to get so into it. It was really cool down here because they showed every game of it down here on NHL Network. So you watched – they had every single game. So it was like, the, you know, the early game, the the mid-range game, and then the late game through the whole three games a day almost or four games almost. So I think it was three, just three games a day mm-hmm. through the entire day. And it was, like, incredible all day through the yeah, – right from the start of holidays, something that we've always been used to doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they've done a better job at showing the coverage down here and, and getting into it. Um, and I think just cause you know, us teams have been good for a number of years now and they're, they're another good team this year. So it was cool watching Logan Cooley too. Cause my son actually skated with Cooley here in Pittsburgh, which sweet. was, which makes that pretty neat to watch him. Yeah, that is really sweet. And you know, it's, that's why it was the best whenever it's in a city that you're living in, especially for like when I was in university, the juniors were in Ottawa and a bunch of the games were yeah. played at the Civic Center, and it was like you could walk down the street and watch a bunch of games, and I got to see Hedman, and that was the best, was being able to kind of go downtown, yeah. watch a game, take a break. Uh, this is back in the day where you could actually leave the stadium and smoke cigs and then go back inside, so it was like you'd go and you'd watch a, game, you'd watch a period, smoke a cig, go back inside, watch a period, smoke a cig, go back inside, and then, yeah, it was, it was sweet. I'll, I'll never forget watching Hedman in that tournament. It's truly one of the most like incredible experiences I've ever seen. What Just, year would that have been? What oh, year was that? six, I want to say. Oh, six? That was like Eberly oh, and seven. stuff? Was that around yeah, the Eberly? No, that was days? the year. Yeah, that was the year. Um, in Ottawa, yeah. 
But yeah, Hedman, man, he was just so big and he moved so well. And it was so funny because I was going to the Latvia games, right? Cheering on Latvia. And then he's like, you got six foot nine Hedman out there against the little Latvian lads. I was like, ouch. <laughs> Another one for Sweden. Seven one Hedman coast to coast. I'm sitting there. You know, hope, hope we get one, fellas. Let's go, Latvia. Dig in. Dig in. Poor goalie just getting out. Hey. Hey, were you, by the way, that brings up a great point. You're yeah. in Ottawa for that one. How was yeah. the, I don't, I think the crowd was probably good for Canada games. What about the, like the lat, that Latvia Sweden game? Like, was it packed? Dude, it was the best. The Latvia hockey yeah. fans are insane. That's why. I know, I know. But was it, was the rink packed? No, it wasn't packed, but it no, was. No, just their fans are great. So I heard, yeah. and I watched all the games that Halifax Moncton. Packed every like, game. Packed every single yeah. game. And I'm telling you. Knock it off maybe with the whole Edmonton, Calgary showdown or like wherever they're going to get it into those cities, those Dude. smaller centers. Red Deer. Maybe it's just out east too. Maybe it's just out east because it, I've, you ever been to Halifax? Yeah. This place is incredible. These people are amazing. It's like so perfect. Live music, bars, Argyle Street, just cooking. Those are the places that get behind these things, and it's like Christmas Day having all these games in this tournament, and that made it even better. That yeah. made the atmosphere even better. It's crazy. You got the guy with the light on his helmet, mm-hmm. the Hockey Canada guy waving the giant flag dressed up like a 12-year-old. It's it's the best. That's where you get it is those kinds of places and those kinds of people. It's it's It makes for the best atmosphere for juniors. And I'll say this. Let's go back. I know they're in juniors, but let's go back to full cages and bubbles and everything. That's when I was a kid. Everyone wore them at that tournament. It was awesome. I think it just adds to it. Uh, I like how the only guys with the full cages and the bubble, you know, are special. Where you go, hey, it's like an immediate indicator. Like, that guy. He's an underage. Yeah, he's an underager. He's going to be a stud. I, like, that part of it. You lost me. You had me going. You were like, you you tried. You had me on the floor. You were trying to pass a bill, and I was like, I yeah, yeah. And then you're like, like and let's also put a rider of that in at different end. helmets. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, get out of here. What are you trying? No way. Boo. A thumbs down. Yeah. No. I, I'm I, a comfort guy now. I'm a comfort guy. I go back to what was comfortable for me yeah. when I was a kid. I was watching all these guys in full cages. Yeah. And I just that's what I picture, and that's what I picture like. Canada winning gold looks like so I don't know it's yeah. kind of just like a, a feeling thing for me yeah I but the the arena thing and where they should host these tournaments a hundred percent correct Do you agree with that well of yeah. course dude Be, okay so I'll never forget and this is one of my biggest gripes with the city of Toronto and I hate doing it I hate dunking on Toronto because it's the place I live I love the city there's so many things about Toronto that are awesome 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 but I'll never forget when we have like I've been to the juniors here stunk it didn't feel like the juniors were here it's too big it's like oh canada i went to the canada usa new year's eve game here and there wasn't you even know, like a real hardcore because the tickets are expensive because yeah. they're like oh, i don't pay i don't pay 60 dollars for tickets i pay 280 dollars actually tickets. dude the oh. tickets the tickets were expensive the tickets were expensive <laughs> were yeah and i went to the usa canada game it was a down year for canada like there wasn't it was the year where um uh, why am I blanking on his name? Was Captain uh, Dylan Strom? 
he was captain. It wasn't like a super exciting can- uh, like Team Canada. America was a little bit better than us. They they outplayed us in that game on New Year's. But just like the energy in the arena wasn't amazing. The energy outside the arena wasn't amazing. Same thing with World uh, Championships of Hockey or whatever when they held it here. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I get... I know why they try to do it because it's a great tourist city. You can be downtown Toronto. There's lots to do in between the tournament. They set up this whole, uh, you know, hockey village thing during that, that was trying to attract people down to the distillery district. didn't really work, but no, the only way to do this is smaller towns. It's the same thing with the gray cup, like gray cup you hold in Toronto and it feels pretty lifeless and you don't know the gray cup is in town. Hold the gray cup in Saskatchewan. You know what that's like. It's a party for a whole week. Like it's a massive deal. Yes, it just the only problem is is that it's so freezing cold, like you saw it there. This year. <laughs> yeah. They show the they show the You're shot. Like, this of is this. awesome yeah. if I wasn't if I could go outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like they just take a I'll shot. Say though, the the USA Canada like New Year's game is uh, I got to go to it when I was playing in They Sweden. gotta bring that back. Yeah, they gotta do that again. That's the that's kind of a that's like a tradition that should be kind of written into the rules of the tournament i think u.s canada new year's game 100 percent. small arenas in in medium sized to you know canadian cities i love it when it's in yeah when basically you should always play it at a junior hockey arena that should almost essentially be the rule is the juniors have to be in a junior arena and yeah like make it have that atmosphere where everybody's on top of you because yeah, it yeah, doesn't makes it the best. Yeah, it doesn't it work best. even with Ottawa. Like I actually think it would be awesome in Ottawa if the they got an arena downtown, La Breton Flats. But the the thing that sucked about Ottawa the most is that it's up at at the I, can't, I always forget what it's called now. I think now it, it was it? Canadian Tire Center. Now I think it's Scotiabank. Yeah. It's it's one of those I always forget Ottawa's arena because it's changed seven times in my lifetime. It's like in the middle of a farmer's Dude, field. Dude, you so gotta go. You gotta drive. 30 minutes of the city to get to the arena like and then there's no yeah. you're just trapped there like <laughs> the game's over and you go how do we get <laughs> yeah. home and then they say oh there's I never a... thought of that oh, the only times i've been there is when i played there yeah. so i always had a ride out of there yeah no, it's a nightmare dude <laughs> it's a nightmare getting out of there you either have to have a designated driver who's That's taking hilarious. all the drunk people back and you're stuck in traffic hey, forever getting out of it nightmare there's gotta be a story of a guy that got loaded that could get a ride and walked all the way back and got home and like like there's gotta be a story from there's that yeah, Ottawa rank. He's like, I couldn't, couldn't get a ride, eh? So yeah. I just I just hoofed it back and <laughs> oh, there's gotta be a guy that man. got home at like at like nine in the morning, he walked all the way home. <laughs> Buddy, there's there, is there anything sadder than when you see someone walking alongside the highway? You go like this is <laughs> if you see when you see someone walking alongside the highway. <laughs> You just know they're having the worst day. <laughs> not, yeah. There's never been a person that you saw walk alongside the highway and went, I wonder what that guy's up to. Like, ah, uh, that looks fun. That looks like they're having no, a good day. Like, that's so dangerous. What's no. this guy doing? Yes. That's what I say. Nightmare, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, something horrible has happened. And so, yeah, that that that's what you got to do if you're coming back from that arena. So you're having the worst day of your life, essentially. I, I When I was in university at Carleton, I once walked home from a bar uh, like my first year there when I didn't know the city, I didn't know how to get around and there was no GPS on cell phones. I walked on the train tracks to get home, like the go train tracks. Oh. Cause they shut down at night. 
and I didn't know how else to get to my area of town other than that. It was my only navigation, and I had no money. Like, I was just broke. <laughs> I had literally zero funds. I could get it's to like an... It's city the, rat survival. Like, yeah, if you're and, in the wilderness, it's like follow the river. That's, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's like what city no, people dude, do. I know. That's, and that's what I did with the, the rail. I just jumped on it. I walked... It was the worst. It, like, it took me forever to get home, and I had to walk on the train tracks in the middle of the night for whatever reason, fearing like, do they test the tracks at night? You know, just thinking about that the entire <laughs> yeah. time. Do they ever run, like, things to make sure it's clear? Yeah, I was just terrified. It sucked. Okay, so um, before we move off the junior <laughs> yeah. stuff, I just have two other things on it. Um, what does Bedard mean to Saskatchewan that he's playing there? Because that's, like, that is your home. And I, I, like, this is sort of, you know, when they when we talk about Halifax being such a great hockey place, I do think it matters that Sid is from there, that McKinnon's from there, that he played there, like the yeah. Mooseheads, that it, it does really help grow a hardcore base when a special player is playing junior in your town. Yeah, like, I, I remember when I first started playing with Sid, I would ask him, like, what that was like, like, be, like just kind of, like, I'm curious of, like, the attention around it because mm-hmm. you only hear about it, like, you imagine like Connor Bedard now, like living in Regina, Saskatchewan, and 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 biggest celebrity in I town. Be, well, yeah, and he's like this generational talent, and you know, it's like holy man, are we going to get a look at him? And like, can we go watch him? And uh, I think that's got to be pretty impactful for the for the city. And I I think like think of the surrounding areas, right? Like Moose Jaw, Swift Current. Like he goes to all these little places. Think about what that's like when he comes in there, right? Like. Mm-hmm. The one thing about Saskatchewan is we don't have an NHL team, so it's, we we never have. So it's like when you get to see these guys in real life, sometimes like you don't have. It's not every day like little kids are like, you know, get to go to Edmonton or Calgary uh, for you know a hockey game. So you know that's a, seeing some of these guys in junior is like the biggest thing in their lives. And that was me when I was in, in, in Saskatoon, like seeing the Blades and some of their star players when I was a kid. So there was no one like that I saw that was like Connor Bedard. So that is, that is something else. I'm, you know, being from Saskatchewan, I'm proud that he plays there. Mm-hmm. I think it's good for him to be there and like feel it, like live the winter there and like, <laughs> you know, appreciate that. Yeah. It's like he's a Vancouver kid. Right. Yeah. So I think that adds a little bit extra to him too, as well. I think that adds to like, you know, him having that, I think it's a good thing. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I don't, I think there's going to be, I think they'll be really proud when they hear Regina Pat's name called if they, you know, don't trade 5 billion first round picks for the next, you know, I don't know how many years for him. If anyone wants to get them for a Memorial cup run, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think, I think the people around there are probably trying to soak it in as much as they can. If you know, and the surrounding areas for that matter, like people, people, people there will drive to get like a ticket to go watch him, you know? So, and, and in junior, it's how, how good is that? Well, you, it's, it's the best ticket prices, bring the whole family and get to see him uh, at this age. Can you imagine coming back? Well, that's what Connor Bedard his first came back from, from the world juniors. Wow. He really put himself on the map, like a legend. If you didn't know him yet, you do know him now. And then he what? He uses the six points, four goals, two shorthanded goals. Yeah. Like it's just unbelievable. So yeah, he's, I, I wish I could see him live. Like I would do that for Same. McDavid, right? Like, yeah. I hadn't seen, I saw McDavid at the world cup in Edmonton when he was on team North America, like cool, but not in the NHL and not in a real game. And I remember like I was working sports that traveling back and forth years ago and he was playing the penguins 
and there was a snowstorm. My flight got canceled. I'm like, screw it. I got a rental car. There was a snowstorm. I drove through the snowstorm as a grown-ass man to drive back to Pittsburgh just so I could get my eyes on Connor McDavid yeah, in real man. life. That's what I did. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see the show. So, yeah, that's what Connor Bedard's doing right now. It's just so interesting to see, like, you know, projected numbers for what he's doing in the season right now, what he's done at World Juniors this year, and, you know, his life in World Juniors so far, being so young. He still had the fishbowl on and just absolutely lit it up. So it's, I mean, man, he's amazing. You know, when he scored, when he scored OT goal, no, what did he score? Some big goal. Yeah, he scored OT. What yeah. did he score OT against? That was against Slovakia, I want to say. Or he, was it, it was the so, U.S., yeah, right? No, yeah, no, Slovakia. Slovakia. The game where he goes like to the yeah. celebration. Yeah. Yeah, my, my kid was losing it. My yeah, kid of course. was losing it. He was losing it. But no way, no way, bro. No way, the heartbreaker. <laughs> I was like, get out of here with that, bud. Holy. <laughs> so Holy. there's a couple things, right? One is I, you're right. You're actually making me feel sad that I don't get to see him play live in junior yeah. because there is something different about being at a junior hockey game. Um, like, yeah, just the fans, the, the arena, the element, but being there for a special player is something that I've actually never experienced. Like I've never, I never, like I've seen these guys on television when they've played junior, but I, you know, I was never in the rink for Sidney Crosby. I was never in like my friend. I'm jealous. Like when they got to see, um, uh, McKinnon with the Mooseheads. I just know how big yeah, that was, yeah. like how important it was to the city and how everyone went to those games and how it just became like this, the the thing to do in the town. And so probably yep. same thing with Bedard, being there, knowing that you're getting something fleeting, that you're getting something special, that it's going to be like a once in a lifetime experience. Just like, yeah, man, you know what it means. Whoa. Like look at the commercials that are up here now in Canada. It's just like Sid bought a coffee for a guy in Mooski once. And now they're like, this is the commercial we're going to have up here for two years. It's <laughs> yeah. like that's, that's how intense this stuff is. But also we lose out on it too. He's special. Cause he's the first guy in the dub. That's like the underage special guy, but yes, yes. But, he's my guy. Yes. Yeah, he's your, he's, he's your, Oh yeah. dude, he's definitely your guy. But yeah, it lives in plays in Saskatchewan from out west. Our yes. first guy, like yes, let's go. I'm yes. all about Bedard. One hundred percent. But in college basketball, like when a Zion comes along, where there's a special college basketball player, they put him on national TV a couple of times a year, yeah. right? And then you're guaranteed you're going to see this guy in the tournament. Special college quarterback, you know, to watch, right? Like you're going to end up seeing C.J. Stroud play this year for Ohio State, right? Like you get an opportunity to see those special quarterbacks. We all got to see Joe Burrow, right? We all got to have like yeah. a little piece of that. You don't ever really get the piece of that. You got to buy like a special package to watch it. It doesn't, it's not as good of a, I'm not taking a shot here, but it's not as high end of a television product as those other things, right? Where it's ESPN yeah. that runs well, college basketball, college sports in the States. We just sort of lose these special parts of these good. players. And, and I don't know. Yeah, maybe it builds some of the mystique. I don't know, but uh, it does kind of suck. I like. I do hope he gets oh, traded just so that we get a little bit of it in a Memorial Cup. Yeah, I'd love to see him move on. Right, I think they're like a bubble team in the playoffs right now in Regina. So I have I no mean, idea. If you I can, can't even pretend to know. Joe's can, shaking his head. Yes, if you but. swallow your like pride, maybe as an owner in Regina, and you don't need to hear the Regina Pats name called with the first overall pick. Mm. 
it'd probably be cool to like move him along. Like just trade him and have it like have him like talk about Regina the whole time in his interviews when he gets drafted, right? <laughs> Sit but, him down. Like tell everyone <laughs> yeah. where you're from. But man, I'll tell you what, this is what it is, what you're talking about. Like you know Jeff Merrick, right? You know yeah. Sammy Cause. <laughs> no. So, like those guys have like they their ear on big dog the do they big dog yeah, all the time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, oh, join the club. These guys don't talk to me. Exactly. So I get I get text messages from you, and I like answer like way later, or I'd like doing something, and I'm busy, and I'm like, you always send me like an emoji, like, oh, what yeah. about me, yeah. buddy? Yeah. Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But I'm saying, you know what they love to do, and this is what everyone does that gets to see those guys, like Jeff Merrick. Shane Wright, man. Shane Wright. I remember for like the last, like, I don't even know, like eight years. He's like, Shane Wright, man. Mm-hmm. I've seen this kid skate at like the local rig working on power skating. Shane Wright, man. Shane Wright. This kid's a stud. Shane Wright. So everybody that walk gets to see him. That's how those people talk, you know, being around the area or being like from a small town like that in junior places that get to see these guys. And like, it's just like, you see them grow up, right? You see them come in as a 16 year old, but those kids can dominate. This kid's unbelievable. So, um, that's the best part of juniors. Like you saw them before they were who they were. And even though Bedard's massive and exempt status and all this stuff, I think that's how people feel in those little towns that get to watch them and stuff like that's Sid's ours, right? It's like being like a hipster Ramuki. with music. Like, they're like Sid's ours. Sid's yeah. ours, man. Yeah. He's ours. No one knows about him yet. We yeah. got him. Yeah. That, I like that. I really do. I love that it's kind of your band. You know, when you have a band yep. you and nobody really knows about them and you have your one buddy that likes them and you talk about it with, and then everybody starts yep. to get on the band and you go like, yeah. I, I remember when this happened, though, and you always kind of have that thing. You're a bit of a gatekeeper. Hockey has a little bit of that, too, with the with yep. the prospects. That's always the way it is. I, just, I, I actually do wish, though, that there was... I don't know. There's so much and there's different leagues. It's not, it's just, it's, it is hard to follow. And then the Mem Cup oh, doesn't have a bunch I'll of teams you in guy. it. Maybe you extend the Mem you. Cup. Maybe you grow it. I'll give you a kid. Mm-hmm. So you remember this name. His name's John Mooney, LJ Mooney. He's from Pittsburgh. He's Cooley's cousin, Mooney. Mm-hmm. There, I'll give you that one. I think he's 15 right now. He's ours. He's ours, JD. Yeah. He's ours. You and I can just. Talk I like about how I, I just Googled him, and it's like, <laughs> I'll just tell you, first of all, yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, he's a, he's a child. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. Child, I know. But, but secondarily, did you. My kids are in here. I'm like, this kid's sick. Watch this guy. And yeah. I, I like to talk about him now, just in case he's like a real big star that I'm like, told you. Yeah, told well, you. here's the thing, too. It looks like, like his, the first thing that comes up is a YouTube mix. And uh, I think you made it for him because this is how the this is what the title <laughs> says. L.J. Mooney is an absolute stud! Triple exclamation point! You wrote it. You wrote his YouTube page. That's that's literally exactly what you would write. Uh, okay, so last one on Bedard. Is it from a? Is the video from a shaky oh, cell yeah. phone? Oh yeah, you better <laughs> believe I made it. The video it yeah, it's, too. It's, it's 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 shaky cell phone footage, buddy. It's shaky cell phone footage. Yeah, uh, Penn's elite. Uh, that's what he's doing. Yep. Uh, so. Yep. Do you think Bedard's size is going to hold him back from being next in line among the greats? Like, do you think that he is going to fall into the, like, it's been Sid, McDavid, and then, like, you, everybody knows the great category, right? Like, we know. Yeah. Is he going to be that next guy, or do you think the size thing in the NHL actually, like, he's obviously going to be good. I'm not trying to pretend like he's going to bust out because he's too tiny or that the league is going to mop the floor with him. That's not what the NHL is. But size does matter. Like, 
there's it's it's there, dude. Like there's a reason why, or the, I shouldn't say there's a reason why, but we've seen this here in Toronto kind of a bunch of years. This is something Versteeg's always harping about with Marner, like regular season versus playoffs, and how it's yeah. harder to get to some of those areas. And when you are that size, it can be a bit more difficult. Do you do you think it holds him back from being the next great one? I honestly don't like you, you watch him out there the way he carves away from guys, creates space. Like he does those, like when he's high in the neutral zone or, or sorry, high in the offensive zone, you see like he cuts and like a guy closes on him. And he like, he's like, he's got like, he's got like that little like squirrel quick twitch a little bit with the way he can just create and get away. Um, and then he's, you know, he's got enough speed too where he can still do the kind of that McDavid, like carve through dangle guys and stuff. So He's got like that elusiveness that we see Mitch Marner has a little bit too. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's, I don't think that's really anything to talk about. Like, would you like him to be like a few inches taller for sure? It'd probably for surely help him. Right. But I, I don't think it's going to be an issue with the, with the NHL right now and what he looks like and how he's playing. He's, well, he's I mean, he's on another level. I think he has to have the Sid lower body. He must, right? He looks like he's pretty stocky. He looks yeah. like he's pretty, like he's like, like the thing I think of with Sid when you talk about that is like he's made to be a hockey player just yeah. because of like his size. He's not too tall. He's not really short, but he's like got that perfect build where it's like perfect, you know, center of gravity and like yeah. everything. I think Bedard kind of has that too when you look at him, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's strong on battles and could pull pucks out of areas and, like he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be more than fine. Unbelievable. Yeah, I hope. Is so. Is that a thing? I, that's a thing a little bit, is it? Well, it's just okay. It's a, it's a thing in the sense of like we've we've never seen a guy his size. We gotta be, find something. We gotta find but, something. But I don't even think it's something. I I I think it's just a fair question to ask because we've never seen a great player. Like we've seen really good players at his size, right? Like Marner is amazing. Like he's a really, really good player. Some nights Marner yeah, turns really it on good. and I go, dude, we just, we don't appreciate watching this guy enough. He's incredible to watch. Um, yeah. But we've never seen like a guy of that stature be the, I just take over hockey games every single night guy. And it still is 82 games in a physical league. And then you got to get through a playoffs where, yeah, guys want to like rough you up more. Guys want to be a little bit more physical. They want to leave a mark. And so I, I think that it's just a, it's a fair question to say, Hey, will this guy be able to get to all those spots the same way in the NHL when, yeah, there are bigger, more imposing foes. The, the thing is, is the, oh, the yeah, the game, he will. Yeah, the way the game is going too, though, is going to be great for him too, right? Because it's it's it is getting yeah. smaller, it is getting less physical in general. This is kind of my take with the Leafs this season: is they just got to keep biding it out with this group because, like, some year you'll finally be able to get the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it'll feel more like regular season games and not like playoffs. Yeah, it's like timing, right? It's like yep. timing of the way the year goes. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think Connor is going to be fine the way he plays, how smart he is, how quick he is, how he creates space. Um, I don't know. Like, did you see like Biz? <laughs> did you see all those clips from, from Smith and Chicklets to the boys like talking about his interview? His interview. Yeah, he looks high all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what they said. <laughs> I think he's just he's kind of out of it a little bit. It's hilarious. Well, I actually thought it was funny though because the kid they were interviewing was Gunther. Dylan Gunther. Yeah. He looks ripped. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he forgot yeah, he, he was in stones. overtime. He said. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. This is a uh, don't cast aspersions too hard, buddy, because it it looks like you hit a bong right before you did this. Like literally dropped the visine in. 
and stepped up to I the dish. I couldn't believe that. Eh? They asked him about a celebration. He's like, I forgot I was yeah. in overtime. Amazing. <laughs> Truly amazing. Uh, the golden goal. So, amazing. Yeah, so, that is amazing. So good. Uh, I hate that they finished that three on three, though. I just really, they get it. That's why that yeah. goal, it won't go down as an all time memory for people. The goal of the tournament will always be Bedard, obviously, but. Uh, and the, the Canada USA game is, I just, I felt bad for the, the kids on Chechia that you, you go to a three on three. I'd rather they play 20 minutes, five on five, and then go to the shootout or the penalties than, than that, you know, like I just, yeah, I, I don't know. Three Chechia three. had a wagon. I didn't, I know I didn't have a good feeling going into that, that I'm like, Oh, I don't know this Czechia team. They're big. Yeah, they hang on to pucks. They like play like so well. They're just a really good team. And can, and yeah, they battled back again. How many times did they do that? They were a pretty yeah. exciting team, man. They were tough. I liked them a lot. Yeah, uh, it was a good tournament. I loved it. And then I went straight from that. I was in Boston at the outdoor game in Fenway. I'd never been to Fenway, buddy. It was so cool what? to go there. You never I've been? never been. I went there. I went there for a hockey game. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. You should try the, That's should try the baseball. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, well, I'm just surprised because you, uh, you are a pretty decent sports fan now. Like, you you become really just more like a yeah. Steelers guy. You know, you're Mr. Steelers now. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, you're you're the guy. You're rocking the terrible towel. You're all fired up about Kenny Oh, buddy, we have, like, local here. It's just, like, we didn't yeah. make the playoffs, right? So it's like, oh, we're getting the everyone's I know. in depression mode now. I know. So, I, you, you know, know what I like, I respect about Pittsburgh fans, Steelers fans, is that they missed the playoffs, but they still went over 500 and everyone, every national yeah. media was all celebrating Tomlin and the Steelers fans were yeah, going, yeah. we're tired of being mediocre. We want to get back to being great. And I went, that's, that's a good fan base. Like you're not celebrating the winning yeah. streak of being over 500. Nobody cares that you care about making the playoffs, getting into the dance and trying to win football games. I like that one a lot. I also liked you, dude, the funniest thing of the year so far for me is you at that live show <laughs> at the Wilbur throwing the double bird because I, like, oh, yeah. I know you came out Buddy. in the Penguins jersey, but that's so not yeah. you, right? Like that, that's you with no, your buddies. That's you with your buddies, like throw that up. And then immediately you always break uh, and you go like, I'm just kidding, buddy. I love you. <laughs> like that's your move. Yeah, That's pretty much what I did. That's pretty much I know, but I that's did. the funniest thing that a theater full of people literally the nicest guy i know and it's not even that you're nice it's that you you love to be loved you know you don't want people mad yeah, at you and hated you it's <laughs> like that's, that's your nightmare <laughs> your nightmare yeah. is people booing you and hating on you so you did that and i was dying laughing i was like what was he thinking like you are out of your mind you're not ready for that smoke. oh the picture's not going away <laughs> but I, I it came to my head i was like oh i should do this i was oh, thinking whoops. like wrestling you know yeah i know i was thinking wrestling like wit had this jersey i'm like oh i should put this on it literally like two minutes before we went on yeah so when they announced me i'm like i'm gonna be the bad guy you know so i played the bad guy for like two seconds and i sat down (laughs) and i was like oh my god i can't be the bad guy anymore i don't want to be the bad guy anymore (laughs) that's the longest you've ever been the bad guy for in your entire life this is really not good You tried it on for a second, and you were like, I immediately regret this decision. I, I thought it was perfect. It's a great picture, though, now. No, that lives forever. That's, man, it's an awesome funny. picture. It's an awesome picture. But, yeah, uh, yeah, just stick to stick to being the good guy, buddy. <laughs> stick to Yeah, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, you yeah. can't do that. Anyway, thanks for coming on today, man. It's always fun getting to chat. It's oh, been too good long. Good catching up with yeah, you. Man. Yeah, yeah. Good catching up with you, big boy. Yeah, talk to you later, buddy. Uh, Colby Armstrong, uh, Chicklets Game Notes Podcast. Works for Sportsnet, too. Former NHL forward. 
quickly before we take the break, it's time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus, must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Okay, so we're going to really flesh out the games tomorrow and we might even end up touching back on the Saturday games if something changes. But today I just want to focus on if people have best bets for the Saturday games because there's three on Sunday. So we'll kind of try to really dig into those ones. I actually prefer what sucks is I think that the teaser, the teaser here is to tease the giants and the Bucks. Like those are the two teams where I keep going through it and saying, that's probably the teaser where you go. Yeah. Giants plus 10 and a half box plus 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. I love that. The only problem is the Bucks line ended up moving already. So you've kind of lost a couple times now. I know, it's but you've, you've lost value. So it's kind yeah. of a tough one. Uh, it, it doesn't look like Lamar is playing. So that line yeah. has moved quite a bit. Still not practicing. Yeah. Which is not, not a good sign if it's a Thursday. Yeah. But all right, let's focus in on Saturday. Seahawks Niners. The line has moved towards my Seahawks. People are feeling the, they're feeling the heat. They're are feeling, you feeling the heat? I told you this is, this is actually, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. This is a this is such a pressureless game for me. Yeah. Normally I I Niners fans. I'm not trying to uh, like I'm not trying to get out of this and pretend as though Seahawks Niners doesn't matter it does. Yeah. These are two fan bases that hate each other. But historically when they've played in the playoffs recently or even played the two teams have been kind of on level footing. Seattle really wasn't supposed to be here mm-hmm. and this is in the middle of or actually I think it's on the back end of the Niners being a like mega Super Bowl contender. Yeah. And I'm sorry to say back end of, but it's true. Like it's just, it's going to be harder to keep this defense together. Yeah. They're doing hardcore win now moves like trade for McCaffrey. This is, they're in a window. Yeah. It's the NFL. So it's not like it goes away forever. This, it, but you know what I'm saying? This yeah. is not, there's not going to be five more years of this version of the Niners team where you have the best defense in football. Yeah. Be another season or yeah. two. Yeah. Or where it's as wide open in the NFC as it is right now. Like this is an important time for the Niners. Yeah. Seattle was not supposed to be here. And I don't think a lot of Seahawks fans are hoping that they win a Super Bowl this year. Like that's not, that was never in anybody's mind. Yeah. So would I love to see the Seahawks upset the Niners? Of course it would mean the world to me, mm-hmm. but if they lose to the Niners, it's not going to shatter me because there's no expectation here. If anything, my disappointment will probably be that I, I still wish that Seattle would have ended up with two top 10 picks this year, which was on the table from the very beginning and what yeah. that would have meant for this franchise. Yeah. And I kind of think they missed out on it. It's how I feel about the Raptors. It's why I'm so adamant about the tank <laughs> this year is like where you really don't want to be as a sports fan is mid middle, just middle mid. without any clear direction. And yeah, your team is forcing wins, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I'm get off it. I, I said all along, I kind of liked Seattle at plus 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from the the history of these two teams, that the fact is the third time they're playing this season. That said, when I close my eyes and I picture this game, I keep thinking like score in the thirties for the Niners, 10 for the Seahawks. That's been the trend this year. It's been like yeah. 27 to seven. Yeah. I just, I keep seeing 30. Stuff. Yeah. A weird score, 34 to 10, yeah. 36 to 10, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm riding with the chargers. Mm. I just think like Blake's not going to be happy. No, he's not gonna be happy, but <laughs> I watched the chargers in that big game and I love Vrabel and I think Vrabel coached up an incredible game. But the thing that's lost on that is 
Brandon Staley is a good defensive coach. And one of the turnarounds for the season is that their defense has played a lot better. And as good as Trevor Lawrence is, that was his first big game, and it it wasn't overly impressive. Mm -hmm. I just, I trust Herbert more in this spot. I trust the Chargers defense more in this spot. I don't think that the home field thing is going to be a massive factor in this game. No. I just think that the Chargers are the better football team. They're more balanced, better defense. The Mike Williams story is huge. Yep. Because he is such an important piece to their offense. Yeah. The, the the Jags give up a lot of rushing touchdowns, though, and Austin Eckler has yeah. been a beast in that area. So That's it's, it. It's I just, hard to believe Eckler's not going to get the, the the ball a ton of times and just carve up the defense. Yeah, I, I actually think that this line should be Jags plus three and a half. I think you're getting a little bit of value. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm jumping on the, the Chargers while it remains under the three. That's yep. my best bet for the Saturday games. Uh, my best bet is full George Kittle. George Kittle's been ridiculous the last yeah, four weeks. Yeah, he lit up Seattle, too. He lit up time. Seattle. He's yeah. ha- he has seven touchdowns in the yeah. last four weeks. Brock Purdy loves him. That's his favorite target. Yeah. Purdy's been playing well. Like, we we, we don't really know what he's made of fully yet, but I yeah. guess we'll see this weekend. Uh, I guess next weekend. But, yeah, Kittle all the way. He's got 265 yards in the last four weeks. Carved up the Seahawks the last time they met. I'm going full George Kittle. Uh, Kittle, first his, TD score is plus 750, yeah, by the his, way. his prop is only 43 and a half. Yeah. For rush for receiving yards. I'd hammer that. Yeah. I actually like a lot of, I, I think that you could probably do a bet builder of mm-hmm. a couple of things with the Niners yep. and yeah, Kittle's a Kittle, a Kittle receiving with the bet that I mentioned yesterday that I like my favorite prop of the weekend is still CMC over in rushing, mm-hmm. teasing that those two things down that that might end up being a, yeah. a builder bunk. All right. That was time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in the action. Must be 19 plus Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Blake Murphy's here. So let's have him in. All right. Blake Murphy's here. It's been a while, and it's been, like, a little long, and you're, like, Mr. California vacation now. You're Oh, I'm sorry I was allowed to take a couple days <laughs> off. I didn't get an actual Christmas or yeah. New Year's holiday. Yeah. I just snuck it in a little later. Yeah, it's tough with being a hoops guy because it does culminate, right, to this moment. It's kind of the mid-season tournament is the Christmas Day games. That's why I've never... It's always hilarious when Raptors fans go, we want Christmas Day, we want Christmas Day. And all you're doing is subjecting the media people that you claim to like so much to a family-less Christmas. Work on oh, Christmas yeah. Day. Okay, well, first of all, nobody claims to like the media. Uh, second, I think that the fans are turning on the media again. Against them. Yeah. That's what I mean, is nobody likes the media. Well, I, I would say that there has been a generally overly positive tone. Like, okay, to, you would agree to this, right? Raptors, Twitter, and media for the last couple of years since the championship has leaned pretty heavily positive. Fairly so. Yeah, afterglow of the championship. Yes. But this year, there has been, I think, a little bit of a, hey, Bad. people are pissed with the team, but the media hasn't quite adjusted yet, and there's still a lot of stories about, like, Raptors team fashion and, you know, like them bouncing back and stories about the schedule softening up and people are going, uh, no, we're actually pretty pissed about this team. It kind of sucks. And there's been a lot. But of- they they yeah. beat the Hornets yeah, shooting 46% on threes. Dude, the Hornets scored like 70 points at halftime on the Raptors. I cannot <laughs> believe I didn't get a text from you during that game about Terry Rozier. 
Oh, he's it's like the best game he's ever played. Who's amazing. Well, guess what? You know why? Because I was texting my brother a lot. We were texting a lot going, Terry's trying his yeah. best to tank the Raptors. Scarence Terrence. Well, I, I, like no one's, no one's, uh, if you're a listener of this podcast, you know where I stand with the Raptors is like tank. They, they got a tank. It's a special draft. There's incredible players at the top. I just watched a Seahawks season where they could not have been more mediocre and limped into a playoff spot. And now they're going to get smashed. That's their reward. And then I'm going to watch the draft and they're going to pick 20th overall. And it's not like a building block year where but you But they go, have the Broncos pick. So it's free money for them, no, right? That's it's kind of nice. like the Panthers have situation. Oh, dude, if it wasn't for that Broncos pick this year would have genuinely oh, yeah. been a disaster. Yeah. The whole story would have been, what the heck are you doing? Yes. But and that's the thing with the Raptors. Every game the Broncos lost was like one more free one. Uh, the Seahawks could win. Yeah. I was pissed at that. Dude, the Chargers trying to win in the last week of the season and then losing to Denver and hurting Mike Williams. <laughs> uh, you love it because of your Jags. But yeah, I, sure I, just, do. Yeah. I, I just think that this is a perfect year for the Raps to reset, to try to accumulate assets in a wide open NBA. My belief is, is that the price, um, the asking price for some of the players they have would be pretty high. I've never wanted them to just give players away. I think that's stupid. Of course not. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Masai Ujiri, who is historically just really wanted to dominate trades might have to just think about, Hey, what would it mean to remove Fred and Gary Trent from this roster down the stretch, how this could help our lottery odds, but also the assets that would be coming in in terms of your just ability to pivot one way or the other. Before we get into that, um, I do want to bring up, you have an article coming out about the Raptors free agent history. Mm-hmm. I did a rant off the top of the show two days ago about how hilarious it is. Um, I think that, yeah, the best NBA free agent they've ever signed is Bismack Biombo, who I believe got like two point three million dollars. He got the biannual exception. Yeah. yeah, was that was it? That what it was? Two point eight or two point three okay. or something like that. Anyway, but yes. When I so during the <laughs> pandemic, I did, I did everything. I did a ranking of every possible thing you yeah, could well, uh, you have to. ever think of. Um, but I did a rank of uh, best free agent signings in Raptors history, and not just best, all of them, um, and then also trades and Masai Ujiri head of the class, not even close when it comes to trade effectiveness, but free agency, the Raptors have hit at a below average below like free agency. It's the same in any sport. It's, it's the least efficient way to spend on wins, but even accounting for that, um, the Raptors (laughs) have been, have been worse than the league average. And, And that was in, 2020 so yeah. that when i did that so it's only gotten worse since then hey. with you know auto porter you can't really know he's gonna dislocate a toe but you can yes, kind of know yes, he's gonna could. get hurt no um, i said this about auto porter when they signed him because people were texting me going hey championship pedigree he looked pretty good hey three and d guy another six foot nine played dude. 63 games and stayed healthy through yeah, the playoffs that was the only year he ever did it it's like three of the last four seasons he's played something like 20 ish games you go hey and that's why you don't play him 26 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back yeah. when he comes to you in free agency <laughs> and says, look, this is what worked to keep me yeah. healthy last year. I would like to do that again. Well, that's unfortunate. But for yes, him. 2.8 million for Bismack Biombo with the, pardon <laughs> me. It was the room exception, not the biannual exception. Yeah. Oh. Cap idiot over here. Oh my God. Um, Those but three yeah, that, Twitter that was, accounts that follow the cap are laughing at you. Right that now. was the best Maasai signing. Yep. Um, value wise other than a Kyle Lowry deal, but that was like re-signing no, your own guy. I kind of considered those in count. a separate class. Yeah. yeah. And then there were on a pure like dollar per win basis. Some of the Euro imports were better, yeah. but those were pre usury anyway. No, I would say that if I was ranking the best three free agent signings in Raptors history, they would go Jose Calderon one, Anthony Parker two, Bismack Biombo three. 
That's more or less. I, I didn't have it exactly like that, but that's more or less it. What was the exact? Uh, well, Jamario Moon oh was like God, a two-year minimum, was... and then he stuck around for for quite a while. I, um, I, was Jamario Moon playing in the NBA before they signed him, though? No, exactly. So that's three guys. There's yeah. three of their best four guys were not in the NBA. Um, when they signed them. And then another one that ended up being really good value, although Robert they ended Hosa? up trading him and said, no, Ray for Alston, because okay. they signed him to like a long-term deal at like nothing. Okay. But that was also after they had him on a 10-day, let him go. He became good somewhere else. They brought him back. And then they eventually had to trade him because like him and Sam Mitchell fought or something. Dude, they're... So it's funny. I was actually going to reference him and say when I was really like looking into it and thinking about it, it's... It's just, it's incredible how horrific the list is. It's also, it really does make it funnier that I had Matt Barnes on this podcast. And And he didn't remember. Well, he didn't know why he didn't get the money. He Mm. he said the story was he got offered a bunch of money from the Raptors and he said, okay, great. Let's do it. Let's go. And then his agent called him one day and said, yeah, they, they're offering way less. And he went, well, why would I go for less? No, I already agreed to go for this money. And he was never informed that Linus Klaza had his money. He never even knew the player. Yeah, I didn't know the player, didn't know the circumstances, was just told that the offer had changed and that the offer had been cut more than in half. Um, it was also a very weird time. I remember it distinctly because Matt Barnes broke the news himself on Twitter. And this was like back in 2010. So it was like, is this what Twitter's going to be? Yeah. Like a player breaking the news himself? But he would have been their best guy. He would have been their best free agent signing ever. Yeah. And I mean, Klaza, who ended up taking Oof. that that spot, eventually got hit with the amnesty provision yeah. when when they came out of a lockout and were like, you know what, everyone could cancel one salary. The Raptors like, cool, Klaza. Yeah, that was like late Linus Klaza canceled working out during that yeah. same time. He was like, yeah, I'm good on this. He did the Sean Kemp diet during his. He just decided, yeah, there's no, we're not doing any basketball here. I, I'm good. I got my money. I got paid. It's. I, I don't think that I. What I really need you to do from a research standpoint. Because now we all know that it's bad. And I will read the article because I want to see the actual statistics behind it and some of the other... I didn't go uh, super numbersy with okay. this one just because I did it when I did the big free agent ranking. Okay. It's just kind of a refresher on like, yeah, you can't whiff on all of these things. No. And the, the bigger point is not... It's not even that you whiffed on those things, but you traded away four first-round picks, seven second-round picks... And young players like Jakob Pertl and DeLon Wright on your build up to the championship. And that's absolutely fine. You have to do that. Flags mm. fly forever. No one's going to complain about that. But then six of the nine rotation players you had that la- that year have left since. And you have Precious Achua and Gary Trent to show for it. And Gary Trent yeah. could be outbound in the next couple weeks. That's it. That's why, again, I'm very much on team. Everyone always thinks of like, I, I shouldn't say everyone, but I would say that there seems to be a bit of a thing of lost in translation with Raptors fans where you say, I want the team to tank and they go, you want to trade Pascal Siakam? And you're like, no, uh, no, like, you want to tear it all down to the ground. You go, no, no. But, Cause that has worked zero times in the history of the NBA. Yeah, it just, and it, especially I'm sorry, but it, it actually doesn't, it works. It's harder to do for a team like the Raptors, like to build it back up from nothing is really, really difficult. Um, and they won't do that because they do have Scotty Barnes. And we've seen even recently his, some of his play just where he looks better he, he does look like he's coming into the season a little bit more. The defense has uh, bounced back to a degree. 
He's being more aggressive getting to the basket. We're and, just seeing a good quarter every once and, in a while. And they're using him better in yep. terms of playmaking roles, too. I know people get caught up in the what position is he, whatever. I, I don't care. Like, the Raptors' I've offensive dynamic does not really have traditional positions. Yeah. But they're using him as a screener more and around the elbows more. And he's such a fantastic passer in those situations that, I mean, I know everyone thinks of usage primarily as, like, you get the ball, you're initiating the offense from the top. Mm-hmm. I want the, the way we've seen Scotty Barnes progress as a screener and, like, working in, like, dribble handoff stuff and, and weird little three-man actions with a guard and Siakam. I want Scotty Barnes. I want them to just like spam him as a screener and see if you can't develop an actual pick and roll offense around that because it's been a couple years since they were much of a pick and roll team. Anyway, this is no. not what you want to talk no, about. But, but Scotty, they're learning, I think, too. Scotty is getting better game by game, but they're learning too uh, a little bit more how to use him um, effectively when Siakam and Van Vliet are both also there. Yes. And I do want to come back to this because this actually ties into something else I want to get to you with. Um, my my point is just simply they need to re- recoup a bunch of those assets that they've lost either by letting guys walk to free agency for nothing or by moving some of those assets out in trade to help build the championship. And I, I just have always been of the position that you put that into – you add the fact that the top of this draft class is incredibly special – and it should be pretty clear and obvious the direction that you want to go in. It's why I, like, I honestly, if I was the Raptors or if I was in the room somehow, I would have been asking them to sit players against the Hornets. I would have said, we're going to, this is going to be a rest night, a maintenance day for somebody. And, and we're going to try to split these games because it's, it's that important for them. They're not, like, everyone keeps looking at this and going, well, they're not going to be a bottom four team, which is what is the most important with the lottery odds, right? Being in the bottom four. They, they could There's be bottom chance. five. Yeah, That's they could not... be bottom five, and they could, they could, there is a path to bottom four if they move the right pieces out and they beat the market. And look, even if where they are right now, which is tied for seventh, like, yep. we saw that with Scotty Barnes, right? Yep. They jumped up to fourth. That's a franchise, potentially franchise-changing guy. And it's a 7% chance at... You know, at least the best prospects since Dunchich, maybe yep. even further back, depending on how you feel about, you know, the body type and everything. So 100%. it's uh, and then you could. Yeah. Like if you can catch Orlando, which is two and a half games, that percentage jumps can. to tw- ten and a half percent. Now, the issue is, is and I know you weren't suggesting this, like you, it's not going to go as far as the Tampa season where guys just like stopped playing. No. Like Pascal Siakam has an all NBA to play for. He's not going to get it if the team's really bad, um, but he still is going to want those achievements and, and that recognition and to be on some of those ballots. Um, OG Ananobi will want to be expanding his role one year mm-hmm. ahead of potentially being able to opt out and things like that. If Fred or Gary are still on the team, they have free agency to worry about. Like everyone's still going to have a reason to want to play, but there's a big difference over these final 41 games between all those guys playing 41 games at 40 minutes a night mm-hmm. and playing 32 of those games 100%. at 35 minutes a night. Like that's, that's probably worth a win or two on top of, you know, in that scenario, you're trading a guy or two away as well. Well, the, the Tampa season two guys were actually beat up and hurt, mm-hmm. but and, you, and everyone had COVID once or twice, yes, but also you were actually able I think anyways, to get guys to buy into rest nights, off nights, because nobody thought they were going anywhere. Right. And everyone was like pretty miserable. Yeah. Miserable, but also, yo, everyone's coming back next year. Mm -hmm. This team is not making drastic shifts or changes. We're all, hey, see you in Toronto for 2021 was essentially the the line for Fred, for Siakam, for OG, all those guys. This year, to me, it is 
I would, I would say that my musts are, you have to trade Gary Trent. There's just no way around it. As much as I actually have come around on his chemistry with Siakam and how good he looks and all these different things, he, he's going to want, yeah, over $100 million. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that you can do it's that. Cra- crazy that the only guy on the team that could shoot threes with yeah. any consistency is super valuable Well, I just in it, the right spots, right? Like even like, and I know that he's starting now and I don't want to do the re- restart the starter or bench mm-hmm. conversation with Gary Trent because there's no fifth starter on the bench who's playing well enough yep. to necessitate it. But there's a reason that all those Gary Trent led bench units the last couple games have been pretty effective, even though they look clunky. Yep. And it's that Gary Trent is really good against opposing bench units when he can have the ball in his hands a little bit more. He, he's been cooking. Yeah. I, I think that there is a little bit of a, if if they really did deem him as, you know what? What we're seeing right now is real, and we believe that this is going to extend into the future. Even some of the like defensive stuff. Every once in a while, Gary tries to jump a pass, and it actually really screws the Raptors. And so when he makes those plays, they look great. You go, Gary Trent really cares. But more than half the time, it misses, and then the defense breaks down, and it usually results in a wide-open corner three for the other team, and it's not uh, that's not as discussed as much as the steal. But I do think that he has been far more engaged recently, and I think he knows sort of what's going on, his value, all these different things. So he's the only guy that, according to Mark Stein, is... Uh, what was the what's the actual quote here? It's that he is unequivocally available. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? With lots of suitors. Yeah, with lots of suitors. Uh, according to Brett Siegel of SI, the Knicks and Suns are most interested in Gary Trent, which eh, kind of and kind of doesn't make sense. I I did make uh, I I'm tr- this is the thing with Gary though, and I wanted to do with you today. You have a column every year called "All Your Trades Are Bad." which I love. I got roasted for one last year, which actually would have been a really bad trade. It was a bad What one. was that one? It was like uh, Brad Beal. It was a Brad Beal trade, and I think I did mm. OG, which would have been like oh, cataclysmic. Boy. I don't yeah. think I wrote it last year. I think uh, I think last year we did it on the show. Oh, I sent you one. Oh, no, I did. What What year is it? Uh, what year is it right now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did do it. Okay. I know. It was like, it was. So a, I, I, I lose track of things. Like, I was doing this piece that'll be up at Sportsnet later today. Yeah. And, like, trying to remember which year is which over the last couple of years is impossible. Like, yeah. what year was Paul Watson Jr. on this team? I, what years was, like, them having cut O'Shea Brissett for Yuta Watanabe now being three years ago, like, broke me. I don't yeah. know. I have no concept of time anymore. So, yes, I did do that last year. It was the worst trade of all time. I just remember what it was. I I traded Gary Trent Jr. and OG for Brad Bill. Just just two for one? Yeah. Dragic, Ananobi, Trent, and a lottery-protected 2022 first-round pick. So, Oh, my God. So, the pick that they eventually flipped for Thad and turned into Christian Coloco. For Beal and your guy, Davis Bertans. Boy, that's literally the the worst trade. That's, That's honestly, I think that's the worst fake trade that's ever been made. There's been some bad ones. That no, that's the worst. That's the worst. That's the worst one that's ever. Have you seen made. Lakers Twitter? No, no, there's but some pretty bad care. ones over so there. So no, Lakers Twitter is so bad some, that I can never I tell trade. if they're serious. No, or I, not. Neither can I. I literally would not today trade any of those pieces for Bradley Beal. <laughs> like, oh, okay, although, true. Although, can I tell you one beautiful thing? I have one of my fake trades that are bad. Also involves Davis Bertans <laughs> coming back to the Raptors. Of course it does. That's your boy. That's your boy. Is that the Fred to Dallas one? Is he on Dallas now, Bertans? Yeah. Yeah. Bertons, so, yeah. I have a and, they've just and got a rotating cast of six foot nine white well, guys. His, his <laughs> contract, his contract sucks. Yeah, it's my, one of the worst in the league. But my, he can shoot. Yeah. Well, but it doesn't even matter. This is uh, I'm a big believer in if you want to optimize value, take some bad money back, especially mm-hmm. if you're in a pivot spot. 
and uh, like worst case scenario, it's still just a contract for you that eventually does become an expiring. He's only a two year deal after this. So like it's one year of like really bad Bertans that hurts you. But then the following year, it actually becomes like a, a decent asset, especially with the cap going up. So I'm like, yeah. I'm not afraid of it. It's not like a five year deal or a six year deal. It's two years left on Bertans after this one. So my one fake trade is Fred Van Vliet for Davis Bertans, Frankie Nitalikina and two first round picks both unprotected this year's obviously gets in there. And then you get a future um, that I think you want to try to push down the line by like at least two years. Yeah, probably. Well, you have to push it at least two years because you yeah. can't trade first right. in, in the consecutive year. Or I kind of meant first like, in, oh, further, further. Yeah. Like 2025 first round pick. Um, you want to have like a random one that's just sitting out there for Dallas in case. So the tough part with that is that Dallas owes the Knicks their pick this year, which is number lottery right protected. Now. Um, and then, so then you get into, they'd have to negotiate with the Knicks to yep. loosen protections so that they could trade. Or, you know, you do these, this cascading thing where it's like, okay, Raptors get 2025 first. And if it's not 2025, then it's 2026 because the Knicks, anyway, you Is can that get, part of Porzingis? Uh, yeah. January 31st, 2019. That sounds like Porzingis, yeah, that's, right? Oh, yeah. That's, well, that's wild though. Like, you know, that, yeah. Top 10 protected, but Dallas is obviously going to make the playoffs. So that'll convey this year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the earliest pick you could get from Dallas is 2025, but still 2025, 2029 say, yeah, you, those are, they're still assets. Not, not still not good enough. I, no. I need, you, well, and the Raptors are going to prioritize picks this year, yes, not necessarily because like, like guys don't step in all that often and immediately contribute. But I just mentioned like, they gave up four firsts and seven seconds on the path up and haven't like they recouped two of those seconds for like the Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis trades where yeah, they got Delano Banton and David Johnson. Yeah. And then even then they turned a first into a second with the Christian Coloco, uh, Thad Young thing. So they need assets just to, you know, they're still playing from behind and that's why the depth hasn't quite been what we're used to from them. They haven't had the bullets to try to develop that next guy. So this is sort of my point of curiosity with these Raptors trades. And what I, what I think is really fascinating about the deadline is to me, it's pretty clear and obvious that you should be trying to flip the two guys who you don't know about their futures. And that's Gary Trent jr. And that's Fred Van Vliet. My, my difficulty here is that I'm really not sure what their values are. Like what is a fair trade for these guys, given that, both of them are sort of rentals that are both going to want over a hundred million dollars in free agency the following mm -hmm. season. One guy is way up in terms of Gary Trent and the other guy, I don't want to say is way down in Fred because it's, it sort of has normalized. And I, I, I think you got to believe that given his track record as a winner that, and I've said this a few times, if I was a team and the prices were the same, there's no question. I would rather have Fred Van Vliet. It mm -hmm. would be actually kind of funny to me if Gary Trent jr. Based on this recent stretch of play ended up getting more in a return than Fred did. Here's the other thing too, is yes, you have to pay those guys, but in acquiring them, you also acquire their bird. Yeah, right. So course. if you're a team that knows already, you're going to be over the cap this summer that it's almost like getting your work done early, right? Like if you are, say you're the Knicks and you look at some of your guarantees and stuff like that, and you're like, oh, we're definitely going to be an over cap team. Well, it's not just Gary Trent for the playoff push this year. It's then you also have the bird rights to exceed the cap to get Gary Trent in the off season in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Same for yep. Fred Van Vliet. Like that's why I think Dallas is an interesting Fred Van Vliet one because they don't have a path to cap space really, but they do yeah. have a path to acquiring a guy like that early and then re-upping him and just paying the tax. It's Mark Cuban. You, if there were a loophole, like if there were a Steve Cohen Mets way for Mark Cuban to just spend on the tax, he would do it, but you have to use all these little cap wrinkles. So I, I think a team like Dallas, that's going to be over the cap 
do the shopping early. I, Ooh, I think those kind of so deals. so much sense for Fred. There's, it does. there's it's two just, flaws in it. It's just without the, the near-term pick, it's hard to figure out no. what gets done without a third team coming in. You can't do it. it, the, it the Phoenix no. thing, too, is... Um, I have a Phoenix trade. The Phoenix thing for Gary Trent, does it involve Jay Crowder going to a third team? It involves Jay Crowder going to the Raptors, and then they... Fly. It's Either he right. goes to a third okay. team, or they are treating him as though he's an asset, and right. that's why the trade... So, so that's basically the way I see a Phoenix yeah. one playing out, too. The, the Knicks one... Sarich and Jay Crowder are the two contracts that go to go. Toronto flip, for Gary Trent. And then you flip, and you flip Crowder Jay, And then, yeah, well, I don't know what you get for Jay Crowder, maybe a second-round pick. Yeah. And then the Next one is you eat Derrick Rose to make the money match. You yeah. get Isaiah Hartenstein back as a potential back-end rotation piece, and then you quibble on the pick. Hmm. So that's all you think you get for Gary Trent Jr. from them? I mean, Hartenstein is a rotation-caliber guy who's under yeah. contract, and he's young, and and then you get a pick. I'm just saying you quibble on the, the protections or whatever. I haven't looked up. Because the Knicks were a fun one in terms of... Could you... You're not getting RJ back if that's no, your no, 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 no. You're not getting <laughs> RJ back. No, uh, the guy that I thought maybe you try to fight for is Grimes. Mm-hmm. Grimy. Yeah. Mini OG. Yeah, that's that's what, like Grimes has a lot of Raptors to him. Oh, yeah. And if I was the Raps and the Knicks came calling and they said, we'll put Grimes in the deal, take the Derrick Rose. The Derrick Rose money is, it'd be so weird to have Derrick Rose here because he's. they. I don't think he, he would play here. But he's like got I, another year on his deal. So you think they, what, buy him out or they flip him somewhere? Like who wants him? No one wants that it, money. It's a, it's a team option for next year, though. I think it's only lightly oh, guaranteed. Okay. So you, yeah, you maybe you eat the money. Maybe you hold them until you do the Drogic thing. Stay at home and we'll yeah. try to find a home for you. I would, I don't think Derrick Rose would ever play a, a minute for the Raptors I, at his age and everything else. There. I'd rather have Grimes than Hartenstein. Uh, again, granted, you know, I've probably watched like seven, eight Knicks games this year. No, he's good. He's, but I, uh, I like Grimes. Like yeah. every time I watch him, I go, this guy's pretty interesting. And if he got thrown into a Gary Trent trade, it would be something that I'd be kind of interested in. He's also cheaper under yep. control for longer. Yep. Um, or you, you, Hey, look, if you do, if you want to quibble You're on not the pick quickly though, no, but if you want to quibble on the pick to a high degree, maybe Grimes and Hartenstein is enough for Trent because those are two guys yeah. who are under 25 See, who are part I of love. your rotation for the next couple of years. See that I love. And Hartenstein has kind of fallen out of the rotation in New York because they have Mitchell Robinson and Jericho Sims too, and they all do the same thing. Yeah. He's not like out of the rotation, out of the rotation, but like underused um, for sure. And then, I don't know, I know Knicks fans love Grimes, Yeah, but you got to give something to get something. God, having a guy that you could call grimy. Yeah. Yeah. This Who is also, Zoobs would be losing yeah. by having the Simpsons. Also, uh, shooting almost as well as Gary Trent on threes. Yeah. Don't tell the Knicks that. But No. I, I th those were, Anyways, those were the two fake trades that I had yeah. today. I think that the Raptors do that. I've made my case pretty clear. That's what I hope they end up doing. And then they have the decisions in the offseason of, well, we can either use some of these pieces to try to package in and, and grow. We can see about the internal development around some younger players, around these picks. But the one thing I think you need to do or should be a goal, at least with trading Gary Trent and trading Fred Van Vliet, is to try to accumulate more picks in this draft. This hmm. draft is deep, and what I'd love to see from a team like the Raptors, it probably wouldn't happen, but if you do end up with, like, the reason why I liked, like, the idea of having a Dallas pick or a Knicks pick in this draft, maybe even, yeah, you could get the Dallas pick from New York in that potential Gary Trent thing, um, is the idea if you had three picks in this draft, your own and something else, I don't think you could ever trade up into the top two for those two guys, no. but... This draft is like seven guys. The, the next tier from the top two is basically like three to maybe nine. Like you, we'll see how things shake out come draft time. But right now, I think there's a pretty strong consensus that three to seven at least is extremely strong. And then there's two other guys that might be in that class. Yeah. Are you and, going the Thompson, Smith, Miller? Yes. 
and then from there kind of pick your guy. Yes. Even someone like Keontae George is a stud. And so he, he could slip a little bit as this, well. This is it. There's just a, there's a lot of guys in the draft this year that are very much like this guy actually could be a multi all-star. Mm-hmm. And and that that doesn't usually extend down to like the sevens and eights. It kind yeah. of feels like the Scotty draft, just with uh, the inflection that that kind of tipping point yep. is a little higher. It's after two instead of yep. after well, what we thought was four and ended up being three. Yeah, um, where teams kind of start to separate there. Like I think everyone has Wemby one, Scoot two, yep. and then most places I've seen have Amon Thompson number number three. But Pretty like you much can, consensus, you can start quibbling there and we'll see once uh you know w- w- those guys the Thompson brothers will have to deal with the well you played for overtime elite and everyone else gets to watch these other guys in March Madness so mm-hmm. we'll see what that does the stocks NBA teams probably won't much. be fooled yeah. by that no Fans I mean will do I, a lot. I would say for preparing for the draft the overtime elite guys have and scoot have an advantage because they can anytime now shift into draft prep mode. I hate it though. Honestly, I know it, like, it there's sucks nothing from I hate a fan more. perspective. Oh, it's just awful. Like, like the top four picks in this draft could all have not played in March I Madness. I know. Ugh. How are we supposed to make snap you, judgments on these <laughs> guys the from exception. 12 minutes while we're channel surfing? No, but do you, the scoot in college would have been like, it wouldn't have been Zion. That would have been awesome. It, no, I mean, it, he's too good for the G League. Like, he yeah, is way better than pretty much anyone else in the G but League But just already. his his, uh, his athleticism and his size, if he's playing in college basketball this year, you're, you're watching his games. Like, yeah, it's, it's like yeah, watching it's, John Morant in yes. the NBA, probably. It's the college version of that. Exactly. Except for he's, like, a big, muscly guy. And yeah. I love... I mean, he's only 6'2". Yeah. He's not, like... That big. I mean, he's big, like sure. he's jacked. Yeah, like he's he is huge. a jacked, dude. big, strong boy. Yeah, he is a big, strong <laughs> he, boy. He's building a cornerback. That's why, again, I think he would. There would be a little bit of Zion happening with him if he was in college, because mm-hmm. some of his finishes when he gets to the rim, they're like violent. Yeah, and he looks different. You know, it'd be annoying though. It, like you'd tune in for one of those games, and he'd be getting like 15 free throw attempts a game, and the games would oh, they just slow start down. fouling him over and over again. Well, he, he they wouldn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. who in college can defend that guy? <laughs> I love it. You're, trot out your Aaron. Cracks. There's no G leaguer that yeah, can defend him. Try out your Aaron Crafts, the guys who were all defense in college. And yeah, here's an NBA. <laughs> here's an NBA athlete. No nope. NBA player. Okay. So this is why I really want the Raptors to make their decisions at the deadline is because, man, if you just ended up with a scoot, it changes just it, like the idea of having him and Scotty as your backcourt essentially for the next pff, seven, eight years. It's just it's too tantalizing to not try to push pit chips in the middle for having any guy who can attack the rim and like get two feet in the paint. Yeah, that'd be nice. That would be really great. Um, one of the reasons, though, why I don't think that the Dallas situation works for Fred Van Vliet is because Fred has been pretty adamant about wanting to play with the ball and not off the ball recently. Um, and that's kind of hard to do when you played like Luka Doncic. Maybe he feels a little bit more uh, in a sacrificial mode when it's Luka Doncic, like maybe a guy who goes down as a top five NBA player ever. Also uh, a team that's, you know, sitting fifth in the West sure. and well over 500. We didn't hear these things from Fred when, like last year, when things were going well, right? Yeah, we didn't hear it when, uh, when it was him in a dual point guard backcourt with Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry. I do think that there is a little bit of Fred wants to be the man. Some like I, I don't know how he would. Let's just say, like I wanted to ask you this today because you're kind of the Fred guy. You know, you've been the Fred guy for a very long time, and you tracked him basically from the very beginning. You were someone that's in close with him. I I've said it. I, I do you watch his old man in the three interview. Mm-hmm. I hated it. I didn't watch it. I listened to it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, great I hated flight it. from L.A. fodder. I, I just thought that while there were some parts of it that were fair like most things. And while I appreciated his perspective, 
it was a lot of excuse making. And the biggest trouble I had with it was him talking about playing off the ball more and how it was really affecting him, especially in a free agency year. And that when you're talking about like, well, why aren't you getting the ball more? Well, it's because they're trying to give Scotty Barnes more ball handling duties and they're giving Pascal Siakam, who is in the prime of his prime, uh, more duties with this. And by Fred saying it, there is a ripple effect. Like if I'm paying attention to that interview, I'm sure his teammates are cooler with him and whatever. Like it's it's not, I, I don't want to He's the guy this. in that locker room. Yes. I don't think there's an issue with but, that. But this is the whole thing about being the guy, right? We saw this with Pascal Siakam. It does matter. We try to pretend it doesn't when like, because there's so much manufactured drama and media sometimes through these shows like First Take or whatever that people assume whenever you have an opinion on something when you're not directly in the locker room that you're trying to like divide the players and they love doing that to the media, right? Like you're trying to divide us. You're not part of this locker room. You hear that? That's always the messaging out of it. But being the man in basketball does matter and having a voice like Fred Van Vliet that says, I don't love the role that I'm in and I'm kind of having to sacrifice and I'm having to do other stuff. I'm sorry, but I can't help but think that that would resonate with a player like Scotty Barnes. And I've, I've every one of these games that I watch, people keep going, the vibes are back right now when they're winning games. I, I don't think that the Raptors have had good vibes this year. Like, I don't think that this is a team that is particularly enjoying each other. Like, I think they have moments. I think that they have history. I think that they have some chemistry still. But overall, like, I didn't love that from the standpoint of Fred basically saying outright as a leader in the group, like, things aren't great for me here and I wish that they were a little bit better, and I wish that they were a little bit more catered towards me. And to me, it's like if you're not in, you're kind of out. I didn't take it quite that same way. You know, to me, it, it rang of Kyle Lowry, you know, sometimes being a squeaky wheel just so, you know, Kyle would do it so people knew he was sacrificing. Like, oh, DeMar's the point guard now. I'm going to have to play off the ball. Or, oh, Kawhi's here but now. But that was always done with, like, love. This, it, this, it this, was. This didn't feel and, like and that And here's the thing. Fred is a very self-aware guy, and I'm sure that he – feels that way. And if I dug further into the pick and roll numbers and things like that, he's not initiating as much. Now his assist rate hasn't changed a ton. His usage rates only down a little bit. The actual, like how many plays he finishes is not all that different. Um, he's getting a few more of those grenade ones where they kick the ball to him with like five seconds left. And they're like, here, Fred, go hurt your percentages. Yeah. But, of all of that stuff. He's had a lot of wide open threes with his so feet So this set is what I was going to say. <laughs> Fred is also self-aware enough to know that at least an element of his numbers being down mm -hmm. is, uh, if you don't like it, pitch better situation. Almost the exact same number of catch and shoot three opportunities this year per game as last year. And we can use catch and shoot threes as a proxy for how much you're getting the ball off ball, right? Someone's mm -hmm. passing it to you and without a dribble, you're getting to shoot it. Almost identical but 10 percentage points worse, 43.3% to 33.3%. Mm -hmm. That is not a role thing. That's a you've missed those shots things. That's a, yeah, maybe there was the mechanical thing or the back thing or a comfort level thing, but that is a very similar diet of shots and that's your bread and butter and those haven't dropped. So I would say if those numbers were the same and yeah. his usage was down and his assist rate was down, I would give it more credence. Um, I also think there was an element of like, Fred's just trying to be as honest as possible. And like him and Red, like Reddick's really good at getting guys to open I, up and stuff. I'm not, I'm not trying Reddick to be in a sets him up going like, Hey, the question basically is the ultimate lead, the witness of, I know how it's like as a shooter, when your body yeah. is starting to hurt and you have to make adjustments and how that can mm -hmm. change your shot. And Fred starts off immediately with the excuse of, yeah, my body is not a hundred percent, which to be honest, like, 
okay, that's that's probably true. Do I think Fred Van Vliet is 100%? No. Do I think that Nick Nurse probably bears some responsibility for playing him too much again? Uh, does Masai own some of the blame for not getting a backup point guard, for them not hitting on Malachi Flynn or addressing that position year over year? Like, yes, 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 yes. But ultimately, by Fred saying this, you used that bullet last year when you struggled after the trade deadline. You already said to Raptors fans, to everyone, that you were not going to try to play through injuries the same way, that you learned a lesson from that, and that you were going to be, what, was it more truthful with his body? Mm-hmm. Still second in the league in minutes per game. Though. Yeah, he's second, but that's what I'm saying. But he's going to be turning 29 in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and, and if, that's where I, if I were him, um, I'm not, but I would be careful with how much I lean on that. Not only because, same. again, the role, like the, the role isn't the same. The outcome metrics are fairly similar with usage and assist rate and stuff like that. And it's the three point percentage, which is down, which is kind of the most like, well, hit your shots stat that we have. And I trust um, that to rebound. Yeah, I, so do I. Absolutely. He's going to be closer to 40% on catch and shoots by the end of the year. That, that'll just happen. But the thing I would caution him to be a little careful about is the injury stuff again because yeah he could go to another team and say look they you can't play me the second most minutes in the league Mm -hmm. i'm six feet tall on a good day and i get the crap kicked out of me because i'm very aggressive defensively and i'm shooting more at the rim this year getting the free throw line more like i'm beat up and a team could accept that but also a team's probably going to look and be like okay well what's the track record of smaller 29 year old point guards who play that style aging gracefully. And it's like, okay, well, Kyle Lowry until he was, until he went to Miami Mm -hmm. and then that's it. That's the entire sample. Yep. And Chris Chris, Paul, Chris Paul, but Chris Paul also like Chris Chris Paul being the greatest point guard of his generation. And he's the king of the mid range stuff, right? Which is like, (laughs) Like, it's so savvy and it's really important, but like Chris Paul does not shoot at the rim. Yeah. And that, has less like it's easier to take a pull-up mid-range shot than to go in among the trees and get knocked on your butt like there's this this will always this will make me catch a maybe a little bit of heat or people Uh-oh. might be upset me saying this but there's truly nothing that has upset me more in the last i don't know seven years in terms of takes than kyle lowry is chris paul east it's like no he's not kyle lowry was a really good player chris paul is was much better than kyle lowry yeah. Okay. Um, and whenever we do these things of like undersized, well, Chris Paul did it like with Fred Van Vliet. It is incredibly <laughs> disrespectful that we were talking about a guy who's made one all-star game in Fred Van Vliet and using Chris Paul. Like if Chris Paul played in the East for two years, I don't think people would be doing this stuff anyway. No, it's, it's not. And it's not a player comp. It's just like a, how many point guards that size. No, no, no I know lasts. what you're doing. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is that because Chris Paul was not only good, but the intangibles guy, mm-hmm. people have taken other intangibles players like, like Fred yeah. and like Kyle and gone, it's very Chris Paulish. And you go, no, this is not that. Like, it's not that way. Anyway, um, last thing is he said that the offer was standing for the $114 million. Do you think that offer is still standing from the Raptors right now? Yeah, I think if he went to them and said, I'll, I'll sign it, um, I, I think. Like the cap's going up, the new TV money is going to come in and rise the cap even more um, by the time that deal hits its midway point. And. A guy with like, look. Here's here's the other thing. If you're talking now, this would take him. Take, he's 33 years old. It would take the. It would take him out of being traded this season. Yeah. But if you are eventually looking at trading him, locking him in at four one fourteen takes away the possibility of him getting like four one fifty in free agency. Like his max yeah. in free agency is way higher than that. This is what I'm saying though. Uh, if if I'm the Raptors right now, I'm going to Fred. 
and I'm saying, here's what the offer is. It's less than the 114 because you haven't played up to it. And yeah, you've mentioned that the body's breaking down. We're not giving you for 114. We're giving you less. And if he says no, which he has every right to, then you're shopping him and you're trading him. You give him the Brunson for 105 or whatever it ended up being for. Sure. Because the cap's going up. Here's, here's the thing. I like Fred Van Vliet. I think he's a good player. I'm not going to be upset if the Raptors end up keeping him on a, on a deal. My assumption is if that you keep him, you are uh, like absolutely re-signing him as a player. Mm-hmm. I, I do think though, that there is a little bit of the, the conversation we had about Pascal with Kyle Lowry. There is a little bit of that with Scotty Barnes and with, uh, Fred Van Vliet. I don't think it's an issue as much with Siakam. I think like he is clearly the team's best player. He's their leader, like blah, 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 blah. But the point has been made now by me a couple of times that Barnes is ranked lower than a hundred in drives per game. He is a guy who is supposed to be here because of his ball handling. And at some point I actually do think that while these pieces are good and can fit together on the right night, the pieces don't quite fit together in a way that they should. Like the, the players are too good for the results to be what they are. And eventually you're going to have to make an adjustment with them. And to me, like the most obvious one from a timeline standpoint, from a fit standpoint, all these different things is it, it is to move Fred. Um, the, the Raptors need to know that the timeline is not right now. It's not this year. It's probably not next year. Can you find a way into that? It, to me, it, it, he is, and he always has been since that last off season, sort of the just most obvious domino as hard as it would be because yeah, they just, yeah, they like, he's been an identity player for them for the last couple of years. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. We're going to come back and uh, yeah, you're going to explain what the hell is happening in WWE. Sports, sports net 590, the fan. I hate that you said that to me right because <laughs> you know I love fake trades. Oh, yeah. I knew uh, you were going to start with that. Yeah. Well, no, I just, he's like, he tells me, he's like, well, this could happen. Maybe Gary Trent to the Wolves, and immediately I'm like, okay, so the D'Angelo Russell uh, contract comes back. Yeah. Uh, the the main asset you'd be looking for there, and it's basically like a redo of the norm for Gary Trent trade. Jalen Noll is the guy mm. you'd get back RFA instead of UFA and yeah. much cheaper, but similar. I'm not a Jalen Noll guy. Sure. He's an NBA hipster pick player of like hey this guy could be a thing buddy you know i have a weird yeah see (laughs) hipsters dude you want to you want to spark up a combo with a hipster nba fan start talking about Jalen noel i i I mean hey you want quentin grimes that's kind of the same thing that's yeah that's a pretty hipster pick right now too is he yeah Yeah, i would say he is yeah He's People, in the same like tier. Yeah, like a guy who you can know me, though. knock I like down tough guys who can hit threes. Yeah, that, and that's, that's it. True. That's, that's what yeah. that's what's hot. Yeah, that is what that's cool. That's cool <laughs> that that's hot. I yeah. like that that's hot. That's a good thing to be hot. Okay, a couple quick rapid fire things. Um so you know me. I'm uh I what's it? Kfab? Kfabe. Kfabe? Damn it. Uh <laughs> Ariel Helwani just shouted me out on a wrestling podcast. Some friends were sending it to me and so now I feel like an idiot cuz now he he gave me like, "Oh, he knows about wrestling." And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> I missed that. Uh, post something. Okay. Post wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. He talked about, uh, you. Yeah. It was right. nice. What'd they ask him? Guy you'd, you'd most wanted a no holds bar no, match. They were, asking him, they were asking <laughs> questions about, uh, his rival or like whether he was cool with or not cool with. And they asked him about Blair and then he talked about me mm. instead of Blair. Nice. Uh, but anyways, um, I couldn't tell what was going, like I saw this, this is, this is my interpretation of events. 
Stephanie McMahon is gone. She sends out a tweet that was awesome because it was like, now, forever, always, whatever that saying is that they have. <laughs> together. Like, together. Now, always. then, forever, <laughs> yeah, together. Awesome. awesome. I, it gave me the chills. I went, awesome. I that's and then I saw some tweets of people thinking like Stone Cold was getting involved in something, and I was very confused. Yeah. Well, okay. So we don't have a lot then, of time. So yeah, let me run then, this yeah, down yeah, for you. you explain, but hold on. Let me just finish dumb guy thing. And then all of a sudden, it's like Vince McMahon is back, and I went, yeah, Vinny. And then all of a sudden, it was like, but Saudi Arabia owns the WWE. <laughs> The Saudi public investment fund. Is the WWE moving to Saudi Arabia? What's happening So the Saudi thing is that was very, very premature. And as all the financial reporters will tell you, the actual news will come from financial reporters first because WWE is a publicly traded company. And this would have to go through so many layers of hoops and red tape for anything to happen that like you're not going to get it from some wrestling blogger at one in the morning. Shocker. Mm. Um, But. Yes, Vince McMahon has orchestrated this power play to get back. And you and I have been talking for years about the Vince McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie dynamic with Nick Khan and everything. So Vince basically got run out of the company because of all of these very credible allegations and evidence Mm -hmm. that he paid company money to hush as hush money for sexual improprieties. Not great. Not great. Now, in retrospect, it looks like it looks like him backing away was a strategic move knowing he had no play at the time. Uh-huh. He sat back, still no longer on the board, no longer in a role, still controlled 81% of the voting shares. Love sat it. back, reorganized, <laughs> oh, made his push to get back on the board under the argument of it's better for shareholders and if this company is going to sell, I should be the one at the helm because that's who Disney or Peacock or Saudi Arabia will want to deal with. Uh, it works. Stephanie McMahon resigns. So does Steph hate her dad? She had taken a leave of absence prior and then only came back once Vince got ousted. So I mean, he he didn't look after her enough. She did get married at passed out at a drive through yeah. in Vegas. Yes, Just, uh, in like, it's hard to it's hard to come back from that with your father when he's you know not looking so after you. So she's now stepped Poor down. Test. Um, Shane McMahon's not involved with the company at all. And basically Vince McMahon's back in power. All the board members who tried to out him in the first place resigned because they were like, if this guy's guy's back. So he now controls the board completely. (laughs) He's full Logan Roy right now. Like I know people make the succession jokes, but like he is fully in power. He controls the board entirely. He controls the, the voting, like the majority share of the voting stock. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that could really hurt him is if the stock price starts dropping because of investor discomfort with him at the helm and the stock price has gone up. So now we're seeing things like, um, yes, the Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia uh, national investment fund, public investment fund. Yeah. Is interested in, in purchasing them. Um, Nick Khan, the CEO of WWE met with Disney yesterday. Mm. Peacock has always been assumed to be interested because you, you, you basically absorb WWE network into the Peacock network and they're already on NBC network of channels anyway. And then, you know, Comcast is a potential buyer. So it does seem like they're legitimately exploring sales. The worker in me is like, yeah, yeah, he's doing this. To, he's exploring sales because it'll drive up the stock price. And then he can turn around and be like, well, me back at the helm has been good for the stock price. We don't need to sell. Love that. Uh, I'm back in control. Or he sells, but a condition of the sale is he's in charge of creative. Like they, he gets to book the shows still. So he gets mm. his money. Mm. He gets his legacy. No one else gets to steward this thing in the next era. And he gets to maintain creative control until he completely loses marbles. 
Good luck to him. Wow. Because what? he is a dominator. He is one of the greatest. This is of all a guy time. who ruined independent wrestling yeah. basically for two decades by absorbing everything. We only have 40 seconds, but I would just like to say that if you gave me a choice, like they have this golf Netflix show that's coming out, all the golf hardos are like, it's going to be amazing. Full swing, like, I think it's called. Yeah, I don't care. Um, I'm just letting you know. I. I, I I just like I'm very casually. I'll watch it obviously, and I'll capitulate if it turns out to be great. I have my reservations. If they could make a show like this for WWE, like that wasn't controlled by WWE, like embedded camera show like this, I mm. think it would be like imagine getting this, all behind this the stuff scenes. behind the scenes movie. No Netflix series. It's weekly. called Succession. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it would be better. It would be so good. It would be the greatest thing on television. God, I wish it could happen. Uh, Blake Murphy, thanks for coming in. Subscribe and review. List, uh, go read Blake's new piece. It'll be up soon. And then, yeah, fan drive time today with Chai, right? You and Chai? Yeah. Beautiful. That's correct. Can't wait to listen. Uh, oh, and Brandon Belt, I think. Yeah, I think you have Brandon Belt on the show today, right? Yeah, that's a good plug to get in. All right. We got to run. We're late. But, yeah, Brandon Belt with Blake Murphy later today.